Girls Who Product tells the stories of amazing women to inspire others to follow their path in the product area. This project is supported by Zalando. Hi everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of season three of Girls Who Product podcast. My name is Teresa and I'm, I will be your host today. Today we are here with Sarah Garcia, Director of UX Research at UE Group. Girls of Product is a series of interviews with women that have been able to beat the ceiling and become successful makers, entrepreneurs, and agents of change. Our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower more people to get into product roles. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, Sarah, thank you. <laughs> Sarah has been working for almost 16 years at UE Group. She is the responsible for the UX research team at UE Group, which includes managing junior researchers, architecting and leading research studies, carrying out research and synthesizing results for, the, of the, for their clients. So this year we are also count on Sarah to participate in the productized conference uh, with a very good workshop, but we'll talk it later. And since we are eight hours apart and an ocean in between, Sarah, uh, you want to talk a little bit more about yourself? Sure, yeah. So I uh, am here in San Francisco Bay Area in uh, downtown San Jose. Uh, UE Group uh, is a UX consulting company. We're still working from home, um, so, so I'm here in my office at home. Um, I, From a personal perspective, I've been married for 22 years, and uh, I have two kids, a 19-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter and uh, have a great little life here in uh, California. I'm a California girl through and through, was born in San Diego and have lived in California my whole life. Um, and I think we'll get into some of what, um, some of what, how I got into UX research and um, what we've been doing, but that's a little bit about me in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. So the first question is, uh, what led you into UX? Yeah, so I mean, as Teresa said, it was, you know, 16 years ago, which seems like a really long time ago. And I guess it was, um, I, I just sort of said yes to a bunch of things that um, kind of led me into it. And to be honest, at the time I had two little kids and I was just looking for a part-time job to get me out of the house a little bit and keep me busy. Um, and, uh, and I happened upon UE Group. I have a, a background in market research. And so um, and then being organized and helpful. And so I was just helping a little bit and uh, one thing led to another and I started conducting research there. I started like taking notes and then I started, you know, helping write research plans then started conducting research and then leading the research team. So it's definitely been a slow gradual process from just helping a couple hours a day or a couple hours a week to um, being in charge of the research department. Um, so my, my role or my path is very untraditional. Now people want to get into uh, this kind of a position and there's a career path for it. Uh, when I feel really fortunate about that. Great. So we have a few little questions for beginners uh, to understand based uh, on your work at UA Group as director of UX research. What, what exactly does a UX expert do, starting from the junior to the more advanced professional? Sure, yeah, so a, a UX expert, I would say your main job is always to listen and to reflect on those, those, what you've heard, right? 
Um, so sometimes it is a small um, study. Sometimes it's just reading reviews of what people are writing about your product. Sometimes it is um, actually asking people questions about that product. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's really just about listening and it's about being able to synthesize what you've heard to be able to create change. And that is ultimately the role of um, what I would say as a UX expert, being open to listening and then being able to reflect that in a non-biased way. Um, and honestly, going from junior to more advanced, it's just about being faithful in those small things that lead you to the bigger things. And, um, and I, that's what I've seen time and again with our team. Yeah. And why do you think UX is so important to, to a business or to a product? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, we talk a lot about stakeholders or we talk a lot about the kinds of people who you have to make sure that you're giving your numbers to and showing your worth and your value. But ultimately, the people who use your product, those are the most important stakeholders. And a company that really understands that and takes action on that is, um, is a successful company, in my opinion. Um, you know, decisions can be made in, you know, closed rooms without consulting the user. Um, but when you really think about who are the people who are most vulnerable, who are using your product, who are um, having to interact with that, you know, when you're not around, like, are you proud of, of what they have to interact with? Um, to me, that is why it's, it's so important that UX is, is a part of, um, of a business or a product. Yeah, I, I was asking you because how is UX implemented, implemented and what is the most important part for the process? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I, I really do feel listening is a huge piece of that. And I think that's important because a lot of times when someone's interested in conducting or, or engaging in UX, right, you hear about it, you say like, I want to, we want this to be included as a part of our product then the, the idea is to just like research a bunch of articles that say how to conduct research or what, you know, how to have good UX. And at the end of the day, though, really, you need to start the conversation with your users and um, be ready to listen to what those are. Because, I mean, I'll tell you that in some cases you ask them when you ask, just like if I asked you a question, I might uncover more than I was ready to, to listen to. And that's going to be the case with your users, too, is it might actually create a lot more work. But if you're really um, trusting the process, then it's, um, it's important. So, I mean, how is it implemented? I feel like it can seem really daunting because you might, if you do that research online, you'll see like run a hundred person study and, you know, in seven different cities and it feels overwhelming, but it really doesn't need to be. I mean, you can really start as small as possible. I always tell people just do something, start by doing something. Great. And as director, you will have more departments, departments to manage and you will therefore have a team with whom you work directly. And how does a UX team work? What kind of methods do you adopt to the research? How do we involve everyone equally? Yeah, so we have a, UE Group is a company that does really big work, but we're a relatively small company. So, um, you know, we have about 12 to 15 people who uh, work for us or work with us. Um, and my research team is one half. We've got also um, a team of people who are des more design focused and development focused. So I'm ultimately in charge of the research team. And, um, you know, the way that we work, well, now it's very different because of COVID, right? Working remotely, we're on teams and channels, comp, you know, chatting all day long. 
But in some ways, that's, that's been the same of what we've done before, because we've been, um, we're, we're a very, like, we work together, we help each other, we are always looking for ways to collaborate and see like, what, is there a better way to do this? Could we um, think of, of a better way to engage with this type of um, study that we're doing? So, I mean, ultimately, as a team, we're constantly looking for what's the best way to solve this problem. So a client comes to us and says, we want to find out why we have low engagement, you know, with this particular feature. And so we, it's, it's easy to just sort of do turn out what we've done all the other times, but we always get together and think about, is there something more creative that we do? Is there something that would be more effective? Um, and that's really, I would say that's how our team works a lot is just working together and trying to figure out what's the best way um, to do that. And then, we staff for, you know, what people are interested in, um, in terms of like involving everyone. If someone's really interested in a medical project, project that we have going on, I want to make sure they work on that because I want them to really be focused on what their passions are so that um, work is exciting. Yeah. So listen, listen is important too in a team. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. And you, you like ethnography. Uh, you like mm -hmm. to understand the different types of users and personalities but that's a different theme. And recently you, you have this rediscovered my strengths finders results and mm -hmm. you really uh, discovered your Enneagram. If you want yeah. to explain it to us a little later, but you are known for always asking the question, how can we make this better? And most recently you, you have been working on building tools for researchers, including discovering ways to, to capture user emotions and make recruiting for studies less laborious. Do you want to give us some practical examples of how to, you to apply this in your day-to-day -day work? How does the UX helps us predict and modify user behaviors? Maybe, maybe I've mixed two different subjects <laughs> here, but if you want, we'll go step by step. Yeah, I mean, I think at the core of, I think what you're asking is, I mean, I, I think our team for our clients, we're always thinking like, okay, how can we help make their product better? But even for our team and our processes, we're, we're constantly asking the question, like, is there a way to make this better? Not just faster or, you know, more efficient, but just better, right? And so um, I guess it's really tempting to do things the same way because that's how, you know, you've always done it. Um, or it's what I'm most comfortable with or whatever. But um, I found whenever we have hire someone new, like a new intern or something, they'll ask a question like, why do, you, why do you guys do it this way? And it's really tempting for me to get a little critical or to feel like they're being critical. Like, why are they, why are they asking? This is a good way of doing it. This is a great way of doing it. And so I've had to learn to really like embrace those questions because it's in asking that question of like, how can this be better? How can this be, um, you know, streamlined or simpler or easier that will help us to change? And so I think, you know, when you have that spirit of like, okay, technology changes, people change. And I mean, I've been there for a long time, like a lot has changed in 16 years. So some of those tools that we've created um, have been in response to kind of that, that idea of like, there has to be a better way to do this. Like this process is too laborious. This, this is like, I hate the way we're doing this or I, there's gotta be a better way. And so we've sort of put that kind of like UX researcher thinking cap on and along with the designers and along with our team at UE group have put together some tools for conducting um, 
moderated, unmoderated research, recruiting, um, and then like you said, capturing emotions as well, um, being able to kind of use what we know in a way that's not just gonna help us, but help other uh, researchers and um, product managers as well. Yeah, what about the Enneagram? Do you want to, to explain this? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I are, do you know about it at all? Have you, or did you just look at it since I told, mentioned it? Yeah, just, yeah. just because <laughs> you mentioned me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I had done the Strengths Finder a while ago, um, like uh, probably 10 years ago, and that one is a, is a really great one. A lot of businesses use that, and that one kind of focuses on, you know, a lot of times we focus on our weaknesses, and this one really focuses on your strengths. So here's what you bring to the table, and I am definitely the kind of person who kind of, I can see positive things, but like for myself, I see all the negative things, right? And so when I did the Strengths Finder, I started to see that I was approaching things from a different perspective, right? Um, and so for me, I have this, like, my highest strength is responsibility, which is like, if I said I was going to do something, gosh darn it, I'm going to do it. And it's going to like, remind my head is going to remind me all the time that I, if I said, said to someone that I was going to do it, and I didn't do it, right? It's, it's just like a, a real burden that I carry. But it was really freeing for me when I found out that not everyone feels that way, that like, people are really forgiving and it's actually okay. Um, and so the Enneagram was just sort of another, another piece on my journey. Um, and that one really focuses on what's like your core motivation. And that one, while the Strengths Finder was, had a lot of, um, I think, help for me in business, um, the Enneagram really did like a deeper work within me personally and um, a lot of similar themes. So for me, I come out as being an Enneagram one, which is the perfectionist, which is no surprise to anyone that um, lives with me, but um, it really helped me to let go of some of those feelings of like inadequacy and feeling like I had to get everything perfect and seeing things from an iterative process. I don't expect my clients to get the design right on the first time. And I don't have to expect myself to get things right on the first time. So the Enneagram has been a really freeing thing for me. And um, it's caused really great conversations with people on my team and, um, you know, that, that I um, interact with. And so I, I highly recommend it. I could, I could talk a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Uh, we will, uh, we will put the, the links on the medium for, yeah. for people to get to know that because I think it's quite interesting to, to yeah. know that. Um, I, uh, I remember all the people that are listening to us that the, you, you can and, and should do questions for Sarah on our Q&A in chat. Uh, and then at, uh, at the end of the podcast, she, she will try to, to answer. This year, uh, Sarah will be one of Productized Conference Workshop trainers with a workshop, a workshop go where users are in-field research methods for flexible budgets and timelines. The workshop will be online. And Sarah, why should people sign up for this workshop? What will they learn with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. I love teaching this course. This is a, I've done this course several different times in person usually. Um, and uh, so this is gonna be a good challenge um, to, to do it um, online. Um, but, you know, technology has come such a long way, um, even in the last couple of months of giving people, you know, breakout rooms and the ability to do different things that I'm, I'm really excited. I guess you could look at it like the idea of contextual inquiry or ethnography or in-field research could seem like maybe it's not a useful thing right now in this sort of, you know, COVID era. But um, I'm really excited to um, in, like influx some ideas of how can you 
if we can't go to where people actually are, how can we get as close as possible? And so talking about some of those sort of pseudo methods like diary studies and, you know, I mean, you're here talking to me and um, you can see my room, right? There's cameras. Um, already just from that, you can ask a bunch, you could ask me a bunch of questions that would lead to more conversations about personal interests or, you know, things that, that kind of draw your attention. And so there is, it may not be perfect. And again, here we go. It doesn't need to be perfect, right? But it's still going to get us part of the way there. And so this workshop, I'm really excited to give people like practical advice for what to do, but also really like honing in on the skills that I think are most important, which is Guess, you guessed it, being a good listener, um, being a good observer, and then also just really being a good uh, interviewer. So that is something that I'm um, going to be focusing on there. And you could argue that whether you were doing that in field research or, you know, over the phone or however, those are important skills to, to learn. So yeah, it should be a fun one. And we do a lot of activities and I, I can do most of them um, remote. So, um, so I'm looking forward to it. Sure. And I'm sure all the listeners are curious about this workshop too. In addition to being practical, it will also give attendees a chance to practice uh, what is being tough with each other and as a group. So um, just for you that are listening to us, we have a surprise. You have 20% off buying a ticket for the conference or workshop. You just have to use the Girls Who Product uh, 20 code that is in our chat. So don't, don't lose this chance. It's your, it's your, it is your, oh, it's your chance to do it. Um, Sarah, do you consider yourself a UX researcher in your uh, own home? What else do you find yourself thinking by, by accident? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I, um, so we have like a 132 year old house, which is very old for California. I know not for <laughs> Portugal, but it, that's very old for California. In fact, um, our house was built by some of the original members of the Donner Party, which is a little fun fact. If you don't know the Donner Party, they're the ones that um, cannibalized each other on the way over um, across the Sierra Nevada. So it's a fascinating story. Um, but our, our old house, we've been working on it for the last like 12 years. And I, I realized this, I didn't, I never really saw the connection between being a UX researcher and kind of all this work we've done. But every time we start a new project, I think like, how do I want to use this space? What's going to be the best? Like, I don't just want to take what I saw on Pinterest and, you know, apply it here because that might not be right for me. Right. So like a good example of that is we redid our bathroom and we were working, we've done a lot of stuff ourselves, but the bathroom we had a contractor do. And I said, I really want to have a, um, a four gang outlet in the um, inside the vanity. Like I want to open the door to the vanity and I want a, an outlet inside there. And he really fought me on it. And he was like, why nobody wants to do that. That's like, why would you want to have four outlets? And I said, because I want to plug in my electric toothbrush. I want to plug in my hair dryer. I want to have the things that I like normally have plugged in, plugged in and then tucked away. Right. Um, and I don't want to always be unplugging it. And he kind of fought me a bit on it and is the best decision that we made. I love it. And so I think, I definitely think that I take that kind of an idea of like thinking, how do we optimize this? How do we make this better? Um, um, but at the same time, like when you're pulling apart an old house, you see all this like beautiful old wood and the way that things have been put together, the lath and plaster. And even though we always want to make things better, I think we have to learn from the past too, right? Like the way they did things, the way houses were built was still intentional, was still 
innovative and was still really thoughtful. And so I really draw a lot of inspiration from that as well. Yeah. So a UX is also an architect or an interior yeah. design. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Multi multitasking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you have had the, the opportunity to, to work for over 50 companies, help build two usability labs, conduct over 1,000 research sessions and 100 ethnographic uh, interviews. You've had a privilege to work with companies such as Disney Interactive Labs, Dell Computer, Panasonic, Nokia, Samsung, um, and Intel. And you have been with UWE Group for over 15 years now. How do you see the, the evolution in terms of the importance of UX inside companies? Yeah, I, I definitely have seen a change. Like 15 years ago, when I would tell people what I did for work, I, it would start, I'd start by saying what it was. I'd say I'm a UX researcher, and they'd say, even in Silicon Valley, they'd say, I don't, what, what the heck is a UX researcher? And then I'd have to say, well, you know, it's this, this, this. And then eventually I would just kind of end with like, um, I do focus groups, right? And um, in fact, like that was how people in my family would say like, oh, Sarah, she does focus groups and it would irritate me because it's so much more than just a focus group. Nothing wrong with focus groups, they're great. But um, now, you know, when you say, when I say like, uh, I'm a UX researcher, I have conversations more with people about what their interpretation of UX is, right? So people say, oh yeah, you know, we do UX, UI, and then you have a conversation about, well, what's your, what's your definition of UX? And they'll say, oh, it's, um, it's just assigning how I think users would feel about this design and creating it. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, we have a different opinion because I think it's actually asking users about their opinion and it has a good conversation. So how has it changed? I mean, now there's full-on departments within companies that are just UX departments, right? Designers are, are um, seeing the value of doing research. Product teams are seeing the value of doing um, UX research. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a part of this because the nomenclature is there, the um, excitement is there, and I think it's really fun to be, to be a part of that. Yeah, and outside the, the UX world, you have two kids and you help your husband with a local art magazine in Silicon Valley. And do you feel that your analyst's vision of thinking things through also comes into this project? And why? So are you a designer for the magazine? What's your role inside of it? Uh, I'm definitely not a designer. That is not <laughs> my role. That is not my uh, role. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the yin to my husband's yang, for sure. I mean, he's an artist and he thinks big and bold and he is, you know, the photographer and the graphic design. He's, he's, he's good at all that stuff. I'm steady. I'm methodical. I'm practical. So we are, we are a really good team. We also can argue, but we're a really good team. Um, and when he first had the idea to start the magazine, it, you know, it's really because we love, we love the city that we live in. We love San Jose. We, we saw a lot of really great um, people who were moving away to other places and they had a lot of great talents. And so we wanted to showcase those talents. And so uh, the idea that we've always had in place for that is behind everything as a person. And so the spirit of the magazine is you may go to a restaurant or a coffee shop that you love, but the idea is that it's not, it's not the restaurant, just the restaurant and the coffee shop. It's the fact that there's a person who had a vision for what that was going to be and who they are and what their story is. And, um, and that's really what the magazine's all about. And um, finding the people who, it's really the, the people behind all of these movements and things going on. And so it's so much like UX, right? Where 
the idea that there's a story behind people's opinions. There's a story behind all of that. You're constantly coming up with why, why are people going to use this product? Why aren't they going to use it? What's the need that they have? What am I trying to uncover that potentially there's a story that we could help um, write for what people's needs are? Um, so, you know, my title at UE Group is Sleuth, and I, I think I bring that to work. I think I bring it to magazine and, and to my life as well. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good mix for sure. Yeah, I like that point of view of yin, yin and yang very much, mm -hmm. because that's what should define the a team too. That's really interesting. And what do you consider to be the greatest passions in your, in your work? Well, I mean, I, I really do love making things better. So sometimes, you know, not all projects are equal. Sometimes you work on a project that feels small. I mean, I don't want to say that, um, you know, when you're trying to, to help a company decide where a button should go on an app, that's not a small problem. That is making things better. That's, that's super important, you know, um, because it is saving people from being frustrated while using it. It's, you know, saving people from making a bunch of designs that aren't going to be in the right direction. But, um, but for me personally, the projects that have had like the most impact on me have been ones where I've gotten to work with medical devices. Um, and so specifically, I was able to work on a project for a company that was doing um, like spinal cord, um, was a spinal cord stimulator and deep brain stimulator. So I could talk for a long time on that, but it was basically electromag or electrodes that go into your spine or into your brain and okay. can help like deal with tremors or help deal with pain. And so being able to, I mean, what a humbling experience to talk to patients who are suffering from something that I will, I will not ever understand, or I may never understand. Right. And having them bring you into their experience. I mean, I walked away many of those days crying because it was just a really like remarkable experience um, and a huge blessing. Um, and so to be able to come away from that and make suggestions to a company for, for small changes that could have a really big impact, by far that's the greatest passion of the work that I do. But I try to bring that same kind of excitement and passion and like urgency to even like the smaller projects because like I said those are still those are still important that's that's someone's livelihood that's someone that's important to my client and I, I want to definitely bring that great and unfortunately we are almost done but I would like to ask you one more question and then let our audience participate as well don't forget our chat or our Q&A don't be shy but Sarah, what advice do you have for anyone that is starting a career in this area or that wants to start from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, say yes to the opportunities that come your way um, and always stay humble. You know, don't think that you know everything. I mean, you could have gone to school for 20 years and learned all of the things, but every day is a learning experience and every company that you work with is going to have a different way of doing things. And so when you start small and show that you can be trusted, um, things will go your way, right? Being able to ask those questions in a respectful way of, you know, how can I help? How can I, um, how can I make a difference here? Um, helping, helping out wherever you can is, is huge. And also just showing initiative. I mean, the idea of saying like, you know, if there's a company that you really see that you want to work at and be a part of, um, taking an initiative and saying, is there something that I can do for you to kind of show that, that, I, that I want to help? And when they say, yeah, you can help, 
you're going to be the note taker for this, um, you know, long project to, to look at that as a gift and say, I'm so thankful for this opportunity because it's going to give me the chance to grow and learn and not to, not to turn away from that because you think like you should be doing something else. You'll get there eventually. And I'll tell you what, having the time to do sort of those smaller things is going to give you a lot more um, empathy for the people that are helping you uh, later in life in, in your career as well. So say yes to those opportunities, but stay humble. Oop, I can't hear you now. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was unmuted. <laughs> so it's been 13 minutes super fast, but we have now opened the time for, for questions. Anyone has questions, please write on our chat for our Q&A. And you can enter our virtual room if you want. Um, actually, we, we have talked a little bit about it. We, we had one, one question before, and we, we talked about it uh, where UX isn't just uh, creating websites, but do you have uh, advice? How do I create a good UX for my website? Or do, we, do I need to know how to program to apply it? So this was a question for one of our listeners. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, there are a, a lot of articles for best practices and in um, UX design. So, I mean, I would definitely recommend even just putting in a, I actually looked this up earlier and it's true. There's a ton of articles. If you type in best practices, website design, UX, all of those keywords, there's a lot of things. And I mean, one of the main, excuse me, one of the main things that you're going to see is it's going to say that you need to make sure that you've accounted for mobile and all of that. So there, there's definitely some key things that are, that are important. Um, you know, I'm definitely, I think you can do your own heuristics on it by kind of knowing here's, here's what should be best practices. Buttons should be like this. Text should be like this. It should be visible, et cetera. But there's also, um, you know, nothing really can take away. I mean, of course, I'm going to say this, nothing can take away from asking people how it, how it works for them. And so, you know, if you don't have the ability to recruit actual users, you know, asking someone in your neighborhood or your family to take a look at something and give you honest feedback and be willing to accept that honest feedback um, is really important. Um, also, I just, I don't know very much about this, but I just saw an article that Google's announcing that like some of their, that like search optimization will be based um, partially on, on good UX. And so there's definitely some articles out there, some instruction from Google about what they consider to be um, good UX for a site, which has a lot, again, to do with like how fast things load and um, whether you can see things, you know, like from visual impairments and things like that. So uh, things like mobile responsive responsiveness, that could require a programmer, but there's also so many good templates out there that you can use. So having the end in mind before you get started on something and knowing what you're kind of tracking toward is, is really key. Great. So it seems we, we don't have no more questions, but sorry, I think we have. Yeah, we have. As, sorry, Ashata Pandit. <laughs> I don't know oh, if she wants I to, I know Akshata. you know, can she I call I, her to the stage? I will try to, to, if she wants to, I will try to, to ask her. Hi Akshata. You have to okay. unmute Are your you microphone, microphone. Hey Sarah, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. 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 How, how, how are you? <laughs> 
doing very well. How are you guys? You Good. Too. Where do where do you come from? I used to work for Intel before, and that's how I know Sarah. I worked very closely with her, and now I currently work for Facebook. Okay, nice. So um, feel free to to ask Sarah what what you'd like to to ask. Hey Sarah, just just curious on what are your thoughts on uh, the methods in that are relevant and more effective in this changing time of lockdown. I mean, especially the products that are more dear to people in in, in times like this. Uh, what is your approach? What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, it's a good question, and you know, I think at the beginning I was hoping that it this would be a short season, but it's it's looking in you know a lot longer. You know, um, I, I mean, I've had the approach that like n no method is really completely off the table except for. Um, until recently, like in-person research. So I always, with everything that we've been doing, we always start with what would be the best case scenario. And if the best case scenario, for instance, was to do an ethnography and we can't go into people's homes, then what's the next best thing? You know, then it's doing something virtual like this, but they're still in their home and maybe we send them a camera and they can give us a tour of their home or something. So I always start at like what the, the most perfect like opportunity would be, but you know, Practically speaking, we are doing a ton of remote interviews with people, right? Remote sessions, sharing the screen so they can look at something um, on apps and things become a little more complicated. But, you know, the fact that you can hold up your phone to a, a camera enables people to interact with things. Um, in a way, I think it's a mixed blessing with all of these kinds of methodologies because now there's a lot more people who are comfortable with technology because they've been doing it right for birthday parties with grandkids and things like that that we've been finding that that hurdle of technology to do things remotely has actually um, lessened so i guess i would say all of the methods are on the table but right now diary studies remote um, interviews remote usability testing is um, probably the the easiest to do but we can get pretty creative with things like out of box experiences or um, things that like ethnographies, things that require to be more, um, you know, like you, it would be better if you could be right there with them. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Thank you. Nice to talk with you. Same here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, do you recommend any books to the people listening to us, whether it's user research or leadership? Yeah, well, a couple of the books that I've recently read, I read, and actually your last guest talked about this one too, um, Designing Your Life um, uh, or Designing Your Work Life uh, by uh, two people, one out of, well, actually both out of the D school at Stanford. Um, it's just a really fun, you know, you asked me great questions today about like how my personal life has kind of melded with like who I am as a researcher in my work life. And, um, you know, when you start to look at, look at all that, you realize, oh, it really is melded. And so the designing your life books and designing your work life books are so great because they take you through the, the design thinking process of kind of thinking, who am I? What am I good at? What can I excel at? What do I like? What do I not like? I want to kind of craft a prototype of my life and who I should be. Um, and I think it's just a really awesome way of looking at things that goes beyond um, just your work life that goes into your personal life as well. I also recently read, um, um, oh my gosh, why am I, you have my list there, the making, making of manager, I think is what it's called. 
okay. uh, which is an awesome book as well. I love that one from, from the beginning to the end. I mean, being a manager, I think I do a decent job, but there's a lot of traps that I fall into. And so being able to go through that book and kind of have just real practical steps for how to lead a team and how to be an approachable manager, but at the same time, um, lead, lead your team toward greatness, I think is, was, a, was a really awesome thing. And I mean, there's tons of books out there on, on UX stuff. I guess I feel like I tend to go toward books that aren't just UX because I'm living in that all the time. Um, so lots of articles um, that I'll read and things like that. But I, I guess I feel a lot more inspired when I'm reading outside of that because I think it gives me a fresh perspective toward what I'm doing and not just being like a sheep following whatever the, the, the trend is at the time, you know? Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. We, we are coming to, to the end of the, our conversation. Thank you for being with us today. It, it was really nice talking to you. And for you at home, next Thursday, we have another guest, Kariana Johnson. She is product manager at Zalando. Don't forget that you can ask in advance or sign up our newsletter. And in the meantime, the Productized Conference has already started with online workshops already in July. Uh, visit our website and learn more about Mission Critical Design UX for Extreme Environments on July 23rd. Actually, it's from uh, colleagues of Sarah from UWE Group. Right. Um, don't forget, you can use your discount code, Girls of Product 20, to get your 20% discount. Sarah, Sarah thank you very much. Um, thank you all for, for being with us today. Have a, have a good week. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.